Hi there, and welcome to the Summerford Associates Podcasts. I'm Anne, I'm in Summerford Associates, and um, every week we pick apart some issues that are important to you in the technology world. So if you are a technology buyer or decision maker in your business, this podcast is the one for you. Because today I've invited Philip Sone from AWS Marketplace in for a conversation. Because I've heard that AWS Marketplace can um, save you money or be more efficient in your procurement of software solutions. So we're just going to find out how and why and what it, what it's about. Um, he'll be talking us through why you'd use AWS Marketplace with an example. Um, some of his associates are partners with AWS Marketplace for full disclosure. So we'll also be going through which of Summerford's solutions are on the marketplace. And finally, I like to get my guests to talk about the future trends that they see coming in their area of the industry. So we'll have a heads up from uh, Philip on, on that too, or his thoughts on that. Yeah, hi, thanks for the invitation. Good to be here. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so my name's um, Phil Stone. Yes, I've been now with AWS for about uh, seven or eight months, but I've been in the IT industry of sorts, I guess, for kind of over 20 years now. Started a long time ago uh, with an apprenticeship of British Telecom um, back in the late 90s, kind of uh, fitting 64K Killerstream lines, if you remember those, and the ISDN lines. I do not. I was a spotty teenager at that time. So you've seen the uh, evolution <laughs> of IT from quite early on. Well, yeah, and, and, and that's why I mentioned it, actually. So it's really fascinating to, you know, that's where my career started in terms of those point-to-point data lines. And now kind of what we're talking about today in terms of AWS Marketplace. Yeah, so it's really excited to be here and, um, yeah, and talk to you about it. Tell me a bit about AWS Marketplace and how Summerford and, and AWS Marketplace work together. Yeah, sure. No problem at all. So AWS Marketplace is a service that we've innovated on behalf of our customers. And it was really to address some of those challenges around unlocking innovation, but also balancing that with governance. So, you know, how do we let the builders build, you know, the application developers get access to the right tools at the right place at the right time, you know, to help with their transformation and the very agile way that they're operating. But then balancing that with procurement governance in regards to making sure that the right software is procured and there's the right level of governance provided into those teams. And of course, to to kind of benefit from um, the right commercial offerings, either from ISVs or via consulting partners like yourself. So it kind of leads us to the point now that we have over 1,600 ISVs, independent software vendors. So who basically um, the organizations that list and produce their IP on, on Marketplace. And a consulting partner is someone like yourself, Summerford, who deliver huge value out to the market and to, to our mutual customers. So we've reached a point now where there's over 1,600 uh, ISVs on AWS Marketplace and over 8,000 product listings. And that kind of rolls up now into kind of an adoption that looks like uh, approximately 1.5 million subscriptions of software from AWS Marketplace. And the way that we work so closely together is that clearly you deliver value to your customers across uh, ISVs such as Splunk and HashiCorp and Netscope. And we work in a way that you help provide that negotiated pricing and services to your customers using Marketplace, which then has great benefits for the downstream customer in terms of the commercial offerings they're receiving, their procurement experience, but also 
allows you to work closely with our AWS account teams and the ISV teams, kind of one fluid ecosystem and mechanism. Great. And so from a technical buyer's perspective, why would they go through AWS Marketplace rather than direct, I guess, to other vendors? Is that an option? Yeah, I guess so, yes. Let me give, give you a bit of a kind of a, a view of why AWS Marketplace kind of exists and then why kind of uh, customers are using it. Um, I guess, you know, to start with, you know, we're a very, of course, customer-obsessed kind of organization. And the kind of feedback we was getting from customers is that as they were going through you know, significant change in regards to the way they kind of um, develop or move their applications to AWS. There's kind of a bit of a friction point developed, which was around the management and deployment of third-party software. You know, and there could be hundreds of thousands of software dependencies associated to one core application that's being developed uh, or moved from kind of on-prem to AWS. So, Kind of looking and digging a bit deeper on that friction point, it was, well, it's quite complex with all the different sorts of management and license agreements and licensing models and how the cost and overhead of kind of just managing that software kind of takes place. So what we built was this curated catalog of software that really simplifies the provisioning and makes it easy for customers to find that software and, and, and deploy it. And I guess there's... The main kind of reasons that customers are using Marketplace is firstly, where there's extensive selection of software. Um, it simplifies the billing process in terms of consolidated invoicing. And it really, in terms of the agility it delivers, you know, you're literally deploying software in seconds, you know, with sometimes even one click, which is far more agile when you compare that to, you know, maybe a lengthy procurement and licensing transaction that could be available elsewhere. Um, now, in regards to how we work with Summerford, um, what's great is that we've integrated in, you know, the channel community into Marketplace and something that we call CPPO, Consulting Partner Private Offer, which allows you to be the seller of record to operate in Marketplace, still deliver that agility to the customer, okay, and the consolidation of their some of their administration, but you kind of front that and deliver the value directly to your customers using the Marketplace platform. So I think ultimately customers have a choice, okay, and some will continue to choose and operate in maybe licensing models outside the marketplace. But I think now we're at 290,000 active customers um, using the service and growing rapidly. And some more and more are choosing to kind of procure and manage software in this way. Yeah, so, but it's definitely just for the um, procurement and management of software that they're going to put onto their AWS systems, or is it anything? They could they could put it onto their GCP or their Azure if they wanted to. Well, I think the, the main kind of use cases, I guess, for, or the main types of software that's kind of deployed, first of all, is something called an Amazon machine image. So that will be some software licensing. Great example is like a next generation firewall from someone like Fortinet or Palo Alto or Checkpoint. Kind of very um, tightly integrated with our compute service and is very likely to be protecting or delivering value to something that's running in AWS. The second kind of tier of software is software as a service, SaaS. Now that's where vendors ever more frequently, ISVs are choosing to run their software and build their software on AWS and then use Marketplace as the billing mechanism for it and the deployment mechanism. So that kind of widens the scope a little bit because 
One example is the web application server could actually reside on-prem, on physical infrastructure, but the customer is choosing to use um, an ISV solution such as a web application firewall SaaS offering run out of AWS to protect that on-prem infrastructure. So that's the kind of beauty of software as a service that kind of the scope starts to increase a little bit. Um, in terms of actually procuring licenses to run on another cloud or perpetualize on-prem, no, I wouldn't call that the design point of, of marketplace. Um, I'm not saying it, it doesn't happen, but I wouldn't say it's the necessarily design point of why customers are choosing to use it. No, but mo I mean, most clients that we work with have AWS. It's, it's just everywhere. So I guess you have a smaller segment of those customers who also want to then procure their um, software on top of the AWS through the marketplace. Yes and no. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that um, we, we have a tremendous amount of customers, of AWS customers that are either all in with AWS um, or, you know, have, have running particular programs, you know, maybe it's a new uh, cloud native application where they're leveraging services, you know, such as Amazon EC2 or EKS for containers and such, or they've moved their, say, ERP systems to, to AWS as part of a particular program. And therefore, Marketplace is a great offering for them because it can increase their agility, you know, reduce any latency of those programs. And just generally give them a very good experience of how third-party software is like deployed and managed as part of those programs. However, we do have customers that, you know, some use AWS Marketplace for software provision, but they haven't moved applications to us yet or in very early stages of doing so. So I think that's kind of testament to AWS Marketplace as a software offering and as a platform that people use it in isolation as well. That's brilliant. So that's in theory. So if you want to, if you're a technical buyer, it's good to make your procurement more agile. It makes it much quicker to deploy, and you can use these CPPOs to work with people like Summerford to help you do that. Yeah. Um, have you got an example of a company getting those benefits so someone can really picture it? Yeah, of course. So let me give you a couple. First of all, I'll give you a couple of examples of kind of public-facing case studies that I found particularly interesting and then give you insight into some stuff I've personally been involved in with with yourselves, actually, with, with Summerford. Sounds good. Thank you. People are probably familiar with, with Starling Bank. And obviously, they're very focused on giving a great experience to customers in regards to their mobile application services and such. And why they used AWS Marketplace is, you know, they were particularly obsessed, if you like, with making sure that the uh, Android application that they had built was running correctly and was given a really good kind of experience and feel for, for their users. And typically, the way you test kind of Android uh, kind of application services, you literally connect phones to a test suite to do that. But what Starlin decided to do was actually use a far more scalable offering and a far more dynamic offering in a service called Genie Mobile, which is one of our ISVs on a marketplace, which basically emulates uh, Android environments and can do that at scale. So, so Starlin Bank had a great experience of just literally on demand, not worrying about physical infrastructure, using this Genie Mobile solution very dynamically to increase the level of pace that they could test and innovate their kind of Android experience for their customers. 
Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I particularly like that one. Yeah, no, because I used to work in a, a, a game development company and um, trying to test for all of the different types of phones, whether what buttons you've put on will work on everyone's phone. It's just a nightmare. So Genie Mobile do that and they bought it through you. I wish I'd known about that a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so that's one example. Um, I guess another one, you know, fair, fairly close to home, I guess, is um, City of Newport Council. Uh, they went on a particular initiative regarding kind of smart city you know they wanted to really associate uh, things like air pollution you know waste management and they actually rather than build physical infrastructure on-prem if you like to um, aggregate all that data make decisions you know in terms of their IOT project they, they leveraged a particular product um, in the marketplace uh, called connectedthings.io actually and that was very much about using data coming in from sensors and devices in a way that could basically analyze that data and help the city of Newport Council make quick decisions. And yeah, so so the, the output for them actually was that they could deploy that program and roll it out in record time. And you'll see in the case study that they refer back to what Marketplace delivered to them in the way they could use that software from AWS Marketplace in a very dynamic way that actually helped with the pace that they could roll out that program. So they're the two public-facing case studies I like, but there's many more on on our website that your um, your listeners could take a look at. Now, they're good examples because you see Starling Bank as uh, tech-native, cloud-native, really hip, um, fast-moving IT-type thing versus the city council. <laughs> so of the two, that's quite a wide-ranging type of customer as well, I would assume. So and, and if it's easy for a council as well, it's pretty good. Yeah, actually, the way you played that back to me made it sound like I did that deliberately, but I actually did it by accident. But yeah, thank you for that. But yeah, 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 that's that's really interesting. Yeah, because it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because digital transformation is kind of a phrase that's used very, you know, frequently. But you know, what, what I normally kind of associate with that phrase is us as users and the experience we have with applications. And therefore, like almost like a bit of a race in terms of how enterprises keep us happy as users and keep us franchised. So on that Starling Bank example, I think you're exactly right. They're kind of very cloud native with AWS, very customer centric because they know they're a kind of a, a newer entrant into the market. Therefore, customer experience is absolutely key. Hence why them looking to emulate that Android experience was critical for them. And yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, looking at that public sector example, how they've leveraged AWS and Marketplace for a totally different use case, but are other end of the scale. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. So do you mean by digital transformation, you mean the fact that um, because we're getting so used as, as consumers to this, everything being very slick, Amazon Prime being one thing, like so we're used to ordering something and then it happening then and there. We're taking that sort of expectation into the business sector now, into enterprise. And so AWS Marketplace gives you that kind of agility that you're sort of expecting now. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way of putting it. I think, yeah, to your first point, as users, definitely, you know, when we're on our applications, on our phones, you know, we almost demand or expect just seamless experience, don't we? You know, that in a certain number of clicks, we can get a, a certain outcome 
with a certain feeling almost. And enterprises, of course, have to work very hard, you know, to deliver that experience. And that's why things like DevOps and such is such an important movement almost, isn't it? It allows enterprises to take customer feedback and experiences and reiterate and deploy new features at pace, where typically on-prem, you know, if they wasn't in an AWS environment, to keep up with that type of demand would have been near on impossible because of the restrictions you had. So I think absolutely you're right on that that first point. And yes, then I think if we then look at why AWS Marketplace exists, firstly, it's keeping up with that pace of change. And how do you then deploy you know, Splunk and HashiCorp and Fortinet and Palo Alto and Genie Mobile at the same pace of the innovation that you're moving at, which then does, it goes down to the technical buyers, of course, which is, well, how can they have a good experience in buying and managing that software to keep up with that change? So I think you're absolutely right to draw the synergy between us as downstream users and what we expect and how that is now kind of traversing into the business environment of how what we expect when procuring and managing software. Yeah. So how about your personal experience then? So those were the public case studies. Yeah, so, so they were the public case studies and they both had a, a slightly similar theme in terms of it was about almost test and dev pilot, okay, into production. And, you know, that is a great place for AWS Marketplace. You know, it allows the builders, the innovators to consume software in this way to get going back to digital transformation, move at, move at pace. But then, you know, at the other end of the scale, you know, we've got large enterprises that are looking at more efficient ways to manage large software contracts and, you know, almost like software asset management and reduce the overhead, the administration of all their software estate. And that's where AWS Marketplace is, again, really useful for them because it allows them to have this curated you know, repository you know, with very extensive tool sets and governance as well to help with them to, to manage all that software in a, in a governed way. So some of the things that we've been working together on on customers that aren't public facing, but is exactly that, you know, large licensing agreements where the customer wants to use AWS Marketplace for as part of software consolidation and efficiency and get benefits from all the invoicing. It helps with their overall relationship with AWS in terms of the contractual side. Plus, they want to work with Summerford because you deliver so much value to them. So using the consulting partner private offer program I, I mentioned to you, you as Summerford can work with the vendor like a Splunk to push that license agreement plus any associated services to the customer. They can accept it in their portal in a matter of minutes, receive it all on the same invoice. But you as Summerford kind of keep control. And I think the examples with you are great because they, they're really with enterprises that have significantly adopted AWS Marketplace and they recognize the value of the platform, but also recognize the value of the channel, i.e. working with yourselves. One, one piece that I found particularly interesting recently is that we're now getting from enterprises lists of all the software that they procure. And it's almost like the tail software they particularly want help with. You know, it could be two, three hundred vendors of their tier three software. And they see the mar marketplace as almost like a mechanism to put control and almost harness the chaos of all that software. Oh, I okay. gosh, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So that's a really interesting use case. And at the other end of the scale from what we spoke about regarding Starling. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the one that I was thinking of, it's a, it's a, I think 
global or certainly UK-wide retail um, supermarket. And I suppose I see it from Summerford's perspective when we're delivering Splunk for them. Uh, we could also do HashiCorp, which is helping with infrastructure as code, and Netscope, which is like a cloud-native security solution. But we don't really push one vendor in particular, which is why it's useful to have the AWS Marketplace offering there, where you have tons and tons and tons of vendors, right? And any of them, you could, the the client could buy through. No, that's that's really interesting. Um, what about future trends? I think you've kind of hinted at the DevOps wanting a seamless experience, I guess, for, across different softwares. What else do you see as a trends? I guess, yeah, I think what we're seeing and I guess what we're expected to continue to see is a mix of the way that the software is being consumed from, from AWS Marketplace. So, you know, we've got customers that are just being billed by the hour, you know, pure on demand up and down. And I guess some of the public case studies, like Style is a good example of that, spin something up emulate an Android environment, spin it down. But ever more frequently, we're seeing more of the engagements like with yourselves, where it's kind of multi-year agreements agreed with an ISV um, and yourselves in, into a customer. So as customers, as enterprises get more comfortable with using Marketplace as a mechanism, they're then starting to agree these multi-year contracts with their ISVs and partners to execute on. So I think we're going to see this trend of moving away from just pay-as-you-go dynamic to more committed contracts via marketplace. That's something I'd expect and continue to see. Yeah, and I suppose the advantage that businesses get from that is that they have that consolidated place to manage all of their various software deals um, and especially over multi-year that will get more and more important yeah exactly exactly right and you know just things like the consolidated invoicing and reporting just just gets easier the, the more they do that in regards to kind of devops there's a customer I work with in the uk that is very much utilizing infrastructure as code so that means that you know dynamically when they're deploying new workloads using things like HashiCorp and, and terraform and such it's actually integrating into aws marketplace to spin up that third-party software that's needed for that particular workload in that instance, you know, whether it be security or orchestration products, that's extremely dynamic and exciting. You know, so as DevOps, of course, is moving at pace, it's then making the calls out to AWS Marketplace to then kind of command and start um, orchestrating all the different infrastructure it needs from third-party software, you know, in kind of zero to very, very low touch kind of setup. That's, that's crazy. So do, for those clients, have they already, they've sort of set boundaries on the budgeting. So anyone in their business can click on the button and then um, Terraform will tell Marketplace to, to spin it up and then it'll happen. Or uh... Yeah, effectively. And, and forgive me, I won't embarrass myself by going into the deep technical kind of uh, explanation of it but you know working at a high level with that customer you know their use case was that they were deploying workloads very dynamically up and down okay they were, they were using infrastructure as code and they needed certain products from aws marketplace such as um you know next generation firewalls for example that needed to protect each workload they were deploying and right yeah every, every time they were deploying that workload, it was automatically spinning up a new kind of instance of that next generation firewall, and it was being billed by the hour. And you touched an important point about kind of, could anybody do that within the organization? And it actually goes back to what my final trend was going to be is around using a feature called private marketplace within the AWS marketplace setup. And what that allows customers to do 
is firstly, there, there's a lot of tool sets, you know, about who has the right to deploy software and subscribe. But what private marketplace does is allow only approved products by procurement to be subscribed and consumed by the users within that organization. So they can have the controls around the policies, but the consumers can have the speed and, and the, the advantages of infrastructure as code. Exactly right. And it's, it's balancing agility with governance, isn't it? And, th- and there's loads of services such as Control Towers, you know, Service Catalog that also help with this. But to give you an idea of private marketplace, rather than a user going in and seeing, you know, seven, eight thousand products of software that they can subscribe and consume to, procurement could effectively approve twenty products which are part of a change program, and only those products could be subscribed to and consumed. And if the user actually needs, a, you know, the twenty-first product that's not showing on the approved list, they create a request which goes to procurement, and then that request could be approved, and then authorized. So it it just helps with that balance, like we said, of agility for the business, but kind of governance in terms of spend and just general, uh, you know, good cadence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're in a small consultancy, uh, some of it are, and compared to like global companies who have 8,000, and we still have that problem with procurement of software. So I just can imagine it multiplying out massively for a larger organization. But thank you so much for coming in and talking us through AWS Marketplace, how some of it and you and I work together, um, what kind of solutions people can buy and why they might want to. It's It's been really enlightening, actually, and it shines a light on what AWS Marketplace is. So thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, you're very welcome. No, thanks for the invite. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to you soon. And um, for anyone listening, if you want to um, find out more, if you want to get in touch with Phil, then just get, get, reach out to marketing at summerfordassociates.com. I'm sure I can get you in touch. That'd be all right, wouldn't it, Phil? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no problem at all. So um, if, you, if you want any more questions, answers, please do reach out to either of us on LinkedIn and I'll put our names underneath on this podcast release. And also you could go to marketing at summerfordassociates.com if you like and I'll get you straight in touch. So thanks for listening to the Summerford podcast. Um, I'm Anne. I'll see you next time.